Hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 244 for September 1st, 2023. Tonight we discuss techno-archaeology before Warhammer 40k takes over. That whole section really has nothing to do with Warhammer 40k. Anyway, it's for me. Uh, anyway, uh, India has aspirations to land humans on the moon. MKBHD chats about iPhone versus Android. PC parts coming... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I messed up something. PC parts raining golden shower of Starfield celebration. Keep your Island of Dr. Moreau app away from my biometrics. Meme stock prosecution. Inflation goes up but salaries do not, hence strikes and lawsuits. Gizmodo might be pulling a dodo. Power wash simulation goes back to the future. Not the happiest place for sports right now. And sightings declassified. And what about Starfield, Jerry? Next. <laughs> Man, my intro was smooth today. Like butter. No? Why'd you stop it? No, we're still going. <laughs> it said stop recording. No. It's fine. Anyway, we are charging into 12 articles. Uh a broad swath of topics. So let's just get into it. My AI is a little confused because an, a notice was displayed, but only to them uh, that the, the recording has been stopped, but that's okay. Um, and uh, so the sentient AI that uh, is my co-host is displayed up above. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that is somewhat confused as to what I am doing as mayor. <laughs> that's okay. Well, yes, that's an understatement. Good evening, hometown citizens. Yeah, so welcome to the show. It is September 1st, 2023. I cannot believe that it's already September 21st, or September 1st, 2023. Uh, where does the year go? Uh, so everybody should start getting ready. Um, to make sure that all of your taxes are paid up so that by the time you reach the end of the year, you don't have to pay taxes. Because we have, you know, so much extra cash laying around. Um, anyway. I mean, it's eaten up all by eggs and tomatoes and everything. <laughs> pretty much everything. So we talked about it previously, but I won't get into it today. Um, we're going to... We're going to go through a bunch of articles. I am real. I love archaeology. I, I love looking back at our past in terms of uh, society, anthropologically, sociologically, archaeologically, peeling back the layers of history so that we can see how we used to be, you know, a hundred years, a thousand years. Hopefully, at some point, 10,000 years, we start gathering enough intelligence. That said, 
technology is leading the charge. And lasers reveal six ancient civilizations that were hiding in plain sight, but they're not hiding in plain sight. They're overrun. And I've ne I have yet to <laughs> motivate myself enough to uh, look at the locations for these and find out how long it takes for a tree to grow. Um, because all of these trees and basically biomass has built up over these old sites where society used to be. And for one reason or another, everybody left. And sometimes they left like overnight based on the historical record. You know, the archaeologist goes in, does an assessment, peels back layers of dirt and whatnot, does test pits and, and figures out, you know, when supposedly everybody just took off. And sometimes it's because uh, a conquering nation comes in and just, you know, blows right over them because they've got guns and the other ones are throwing spears um, or a natural disaster occurs and wipes out either food or water or the structures themselves and cause people to relocate. But using lasers, <laughs> it can peel back the biomass layer so that you can actually see what is under there. It's quite quite amazing uh, to me whenever I see this stuff it makes me want to get into this you know as uh, uh, an area of uh, inquiry um, but I have so many areas of interest that I, I couldn't possibly add another one um, so let's go and look at the actual source since I rambled on Paula Rosa Aquino and Jenny McGrath put this article together for Business Insider um, Archaeologists beam lasers from the sky to unearth ancient settlements hiding in plain sight is what this uh, takeaway is. LiDAR uses laser pulses to penetrate dense vegetation, revealing human-built structures underneath. Uh, the laser technology is transforming archaeology by revealing the scope of ancient civilizations. And so the picture, if you are watching this or listening to this via the podcast, um, is it, it shows a kind of like a heat map, a topographical map where red is higher and green is lower down towards blue. Um, and you can actually see lines where something occurred. I don't know if this, it says LIDAR captured the ruins of civilization in the Brazilian Amazon is what it's titled. Um, but there's some wonkiness to it right there's such a massive amount of erosion um that i'm not sure what this actually represents um so let's scroll on down through this article we know that lidar which is light detection and ranging it's basically a a, a beam of light that shines down and then detectors pick up the difference between the reflections um, researchers have found hundreds of structures and areas once thought to inhospitable uh, for human habitation. The aerial views help them understand how far these cities and villages stretched, which archaeologists found difficult to map before LIDAR. Um, LIDAR is also one of the precursors, if not the current active technology in um, 
self-driving vehicles and mapping technologies in general. Um, and I've actually talked about this kind of stuff in the past where it says uh, from a Maya city to complex villages deep in the Brazilian Amazon, here are six previously unknown civilizations that were discovered through state-of-the-art LIDAR technology. By the way, you can actually buy LIDAR and it's compatible with a Raspberry Pi um, and you can experiment yourself with LIDAR, including topographical map generation um, of you. You can actually plop it down on a table and it'll spin and scan the whole room or you can focus it so you get higher resolution directly on your face and you can create a map of your face. Um, pretty amazing. Okay, tech. that's weird or cool. I'm not sure which. Yeah, I haven't bought one yet, but um, I want to. Um, so, and um, anyway, so it says here, uh, Maya pyramidal structures in the Yucatan Peninsula. Pretty cool, right? This was all covered up by biomass forests and and you can see that there are not structures. by mud uh yeah because if it's covered up with mud it won't penetrate through that you have to use something else like um sound but you can i was just referencing that everything else seems to be covered up by mud oh right <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah that's right or dirt i should have said not mud yeah it just yeah, we find it odd that there are structures that are <laughs> on mountaintops that are covered up with dirt. <laughs> like, okay, who climbed up there and covered them up with dirt? Um, and, like Easter Island is, like all of these things are just covered up with dirt. But when you dig down, they have full bodies, right? The Easter Island heads. Uh, right, it's not an inch of dirt either, which that would still be weird, but it's oh no. multiple feet. It's like 20 feet. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Um, but they say that it's erosion. So they being scientists. Archaeologically, uh, architecturally, it was truly massive. Archaeologist Ivan Spragic, um told the BBC. Uh, so it's uh, clear this must be a politically important center. Um, they talk about this picture that is displayed on my screen right now um so again the podcast you're not going to be able to see this unless you go over to youtube um or to um twitch here that's where we stream every day 9 p.m uh you just go to twitch.tv slash hometown and um you'll be able to hang out and, and chat about this kind of stuff and much more just much 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 more then go over to hometown.com and hang out there too and there's a discord and the YouTube channel and you can get the podcast anywhere. So do it. Um, so an estimated six to 8 million Maya people live throughout the Americas. Thus the culture never disappeared, but Spragic told or said, um, such archeological finds can help scientists understand what led to a drastic demographic decline by the 10th century. And then another picture is a hidden 2000 year old Maya civilization in Northern Guatemala. Um, and so it shows leveled ground with mounds, um, and other structures. Um, some apparently quite high. One of them says that it's, it, it looks like 
I don't know if that's yeah that's on top of it looks like a ziggurat on top of a hill that was flattened and it's 328 meters high is that possible my gosh that's amazing 650 square miles they published their findings in 2022 in the journal ancient mesoamerica that's amazing again there's it looks like there is maybe it's above sea level or something could that be it that can't be really that high it's a thousand feet tall yeah, that sounds correct in that location i mean because think of for instance that's Peru, height above which is in the same general vicinity that has to be height above sea level though not not the height of the structure from where they scan oh up. right right yes okay yeah that that's pretty amazing um so anyway but it, it's still um from the lowest point to the highest point is 300 feet so pretty substantial um and it shows large level areas with structure on top um pretty fascinating they said it was from the, their topological maps of the area they determined that the civilization consisted of more than 417 cities towns and villages spread across 650 square miles that's just spectacular and and it's all lost like nature just plowed right on over it right biomass builds up you have no idea that there's a temple in there a huge pyramid how about nearly 500 long lost maya and olmec ceremonial sites in mexico this one i've actually seen before um, lidar cover uncovered almost 500 ceremonial sites in the olmec and maya regions of mexico this is back in 2021. I know that I, I actually spoke about it in one of the art, uh, one of the streams. Um, maybe not to this detail, but the sites are spread across 32,800 square miles of the Mexican uh, states of Tabasco and Veracruz, where the Olmec and Maya civilizations flourished between 2,000 and 3,000 years old. I mean, this is really incredible. And this is, to me, a really cool use of technology. Yep. Yeah, this is just amazing stuff. I Okay, so here in the United States, we had stuff like this. Um, but Manifest Destiny um, brought Europeans over to the United States East Coast. And then as they spread across the United States, they wiped out uh, not not native um, indigenous indigenous people's structures and and uh, uh, there's a lot of talk about you know well the the peoples that we refer to as indians weren't the original owners of this and that or possessors or inhabitants and blah 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 you know crap whatever it doesn't matter what matters is the understanding the historical record of it. And if they were in possession of that, if they were living on it and, and um, for lack of a better term, yeah, at peace with nature, maybe not with each other, but with nature and, and living on the land, um, uh, kind of like in a, in a 
state of stasis, right? There wasn't anything really abusive happening on either side. Um, then they were the ones that were living on the land. And the same thing happens to these people here, the, uh, the Maya and the Olmec, something happens and everything is torn asunder. But in that progress of uh, the United States forming, people moved across the states and decimated the historical record of these because there were pyramids, there were religious mounds, there were um, astrological, astronomical, I should say, not astrological, but at, again, for lack of a, a better definitive statement, things were aligned with the stars and spirituality, which is different than astronomy, but it's not quite astrology either. <laughs> but it was astrologically bound. These structures were pointing towards stars and, and it was ceremonial and religious in nature um, all across the United States. Very few exist still to this day. Uh, Somebody estimated that there were like 10,000 in the United States, and now there's something like 100. Um, quite fascinating. So it says it was unthinkable to study an area this large uh, until a few years ago. Uh, Takeshi Inamata, an anthropologist with the University of Arizona who co-authored the study, said in a press release at the time. Yeah, um, I actually, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with an anthropologist um, <clears throat> where because i talk about business technology and society um, i wanted to integrate some of their findings uh, into the discussion of technology and business and society um, and they found it really fascinating that there was somebody that isn't in anthropology or archaeology that is as amazed and, and engrossed by this type of discovery pretty cool though i love this stuff um there are several more of these over at this um and uh at the site over at uh, business insider and we'll uh we'll send you over there so that you can go and check them out um and we're going to go on to the next article so let's keep going So the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Uh, India's adorable dog-sized moon rover did its first science on the moon by shooting powerful laser beams at the surface. Huh, it's almost like there's something really capable about lasers being pointed at the ground. Hmm. You can stop. You can stop things with a laser. You can accelerate things with a laser. You can slow down the perception of time with a laser you can map a room you can send messages it's pretty amazing i was actually thinking of the lasers over hawaii uh, you can map hawaii from a chinese surveillance vehicle <laughs> that measures one uh what is it a, a surveillance van unit is that oh it? no one school bus one school bus well yeah but it's a it's a chinese surveillance school bus blimp that's the, the unit of measure. Anyway, um, India's adorable dog-sized moon rover is, I don't know, it's going for walkies. This is another... Well, that's what it's doing, I think. <laughs> yeah, 
this is uh, another businessinsider.com article, Sonam Sheth and Morgan McFall Johnson. Um, put this article together. The 57 pound Rover is called Pragyan, a Hindu name, meaning one who possesses wisdom. India's moon Rover made its first scientific observation near the lunar South pole. Um, and Pragyan, uh, or um, if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, let me know, uh, send an email to mayor at hometown.com. I'll remember it. Um, just send it phonetically. Um, has confirmed the presence of sulfur as well as detected other elements. Yeah, well, the aliens had to hollow out the moon and some of that sulfur was inside. I don't think that was in the article. Oh, really? Mm, I mix my information up sometimes. Suffice it to say, the rover's been busy. This adorable rover is called Brigyan, a Hindu name meaning one who possesses greater knowledge and wisdom, which is... A little bit more expanded than not just one paragraph earlier um so what will india's moon rover do next it's equipped with a laser and an alpha particle beam sounds like a weapon like it should be shooting at aliens um to help it study the composition of the lunar south pole region which is of particular interest yeah when i say you know the south pole is of particular interest i get weird looks but okay if a moon rover it's okay have for a moon rover yeah the, ro the rover will also use its ramba and ilsa payloads on board to study the lunar atmosphere as well as dig up samples for additional analysis of the moon's co uh, surfaces comp composition um it's cheese we all know that um and it's a moment for the history books is another section uh, india is the fourth country after russia us and china to land on the moon and um it's an article that we didn't include but india also is very interested in sending humans to the moon now that they've landed a rover i suppose they can do the same level of finesse and deliver humans to the moon um so not bad it's not what happened to the russian lander that thing that is true uh not, not only did it not make it but apparently the lead researcher for it did not make it so i'll just let that i didn't know about that aspect i'll let the ai just ponder that for a little bit let's keep on hustling through um this next article is over in mkbhd land um they're a, a YouTuber and technologist weighs in on the age old question of iPhone versus Android with a satisfying answer. This is something that I say on the daily. Um, and I'm glad that there's another so, somebody out there with a much louder voice than mine um, in terms of reach. And uh, it says the flame war between smartphone enthusiasts over iPhone and Android and which is superior has gone on far too long. This is something that I've been saying for years and years and years and years. Um, now, I watched this and I can say that I'm not particularly on board with the answer um, because he actually does declare a winner both in terms of android ver or iphone versus android and then pulls back a little bit and says um that they've got both 
and then goes back a little bit further and says the real winner is basically all of us because they're competing for our dollars, right? And the benefit is that the technology gets better. Um, this article is over at 9to5Mac. Um, Zach Hall is the author. Let me grab this and throw it into the chat real quick. Um, and I'll explain my perspective and, and maybe the AI can um, let me know if it's making sense. So the whole you now have the context of what this video is except that they went through seven segments and they break their video out into these seven segments um and let me see if i can pull it up real quick what the seven segments are there you go customization features ease of use updates and support apps excitement and ecosystem now <clears throat> for me all of these are actually a range and and not a win or lose because you may really like customization and iphone and various iterations of android run this gamut from iphone really isn't that customizable in the grand scheme of things and android is massively customizable because it's open source and people can augment it more and more and more and more and more Features are the same way, except that they both, well, I don't know if they both keep copying each other so much as they see what users are interested in. I, I really don't like the idea of going, they're copying each other. In fact, in the video, they mention um, iPhone switching to USB-C um, and, and it's rift off of, well, Android has had it forever. Well, it's not really like that. <laughs> it's not Android that has had it. It's the hardware platform that has facilitated it. And Apple still sees the benefit of its lightning connector. So when it decides, and it's a silo, it is a vertical. Nobody else produces an iPhone. Whereas there are countless numbers of Android phone developers out there. That to me is the the biggest difference i don't mean in terms of like what the users experience but that's why it's not really an apples to apples comparison mm -hmm. i agree none of it really is um and while you can shoehorn in a comparison you're either seeing the apple ecosystem for what it's worth and that's the bottom element here out of the seven um, and they actually bounce back and forth, right? I won't give you the results. You can go and check that out on your own. Um, but it, the article says, fortunately, uh, Marquez Brownlee has found uh, the path to the ultimate truth. It, it's so gushy um, and like saccharine sweet on MKBHD about this. In retrospect, maybe I shouldn't be so surprised that the T-Mobile sidekick from 2002 was the solution all Spoiler along. alert. That's not really, that's not it. That's just some comment. Um, but then they talk about updates and support and apps and excitement and ecosystem. Excitement is, all of this is subjective, but excitement in particular is very, very subjective. And it's a riff off of, it's a knock on effect of everything else in this. I get really excited about some customization but when it's 
security compromising customization, I back away from it. Hence, I'm more on the Apple side. Well, security isn't even listed, but it could be included in one of these categories. Updates like and support. Support yeah. is what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So you're on you're on the page with me, uh, looking at this with a critical eye and and saying, "Well, Marwat, is it is it really? Can you can you really have a winner? Not really. But I can tell you that." It is a range. It's a gamut because some people really like customization. Other people don't, but they like the features that are on the Android phone, but they don't really care for the customization, which means that it's a little less interesting to them, which lowers the excitement because they have to fumble around trying to go through menu after menu to reach their customization option. Whereas Apple kind of hobbles that whole function. It just well, and I wouldn't even rank these. I know these aren't ranked, but they're not in the order that I would remotely consider them. <laughs> yeah, even the order. In fact, I'd have one that's like I'd have a security um, yeah. aspect or something too, like as its own category. Yeah, and and if you're, I, I don't know. I don't want to pick a fight about Android versus Apple with anybody because I'm not, I'm platform agnostic. You know, I, I used a windows phone when it came out, when it died because everybody else giggled at it. Then I got rid of my phone, that phone. Um, I've had Android phones. I've had Apple phones. I have Apple phones right now. Um, and, and I'm looking at an Android phone um, just so that I can keep my head in the game with Android. But I just don't think that it's a win-lose scenario. It's not a competition. What what I want is everybody fighting for customer engagement and we get better and better technology. Well, there's one side of this that is not a competitor amongst the other players in the field and that is android developers android i should say hardware developers right manufacturers um they're all fighting amongst themselves for android users who don't want to go over to the apple ecosystem and apple is looking at all of them saying you know, all we have to sell them on is that it's reliable and it just works and you don't have to dick around with everything all the time. And security is better. And for the most part, it holds on to its value long. <laughs> and so they have a certain laser focus of marketing and the exclusivity and robust ecosystem pretty much streamline that laser focused marketing to if you want something straight out of the box that works apple is where you go if you want all kinds of customization and whatnot android um it, it's just an interesting argument and uh again i don't quite align directly um but i see where mkbhd was going with this now it's up to y'all 
to go and look at it. Watch that video uh, and then come back and uh, uh, talk talk with Marwat and the AI about that. And uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say about it. I can even put you up there. There's there's room up there for your camera. Right here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not right there. Right there? A little bit lower and maybe a oh, little right bit here? smaller. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep going. So um, a PC parts company is dumping golden golden tickets across the UK from space in a bizarre competition to celebrate Starfield. That's right, folks. Look, this is what the author of this article is saying. Look, I'm not one to stifle creativity, but someone probably needs to restrain the world's marketing departments until we figure out what's going on. As spotted by PC Games N. It's actually PC games to the nth. Um, CCL Computers is uh, pouring a golden shower on the UK of Starfield fun. They're showering a golden offering on the UK. What? The AI, I'm sorry, folks. The AI is just throwing me uh, error messages, but not saying anything about it. All right. And now refuses to speak to me. Oh, nothing but error <laughs> messages. Okay. So it's launching a PC, a gaming PC, uh, to the outer edges of the Earth's atmosphere over the UK to celebrate the launch of Bethesda's long awaited space epic and then used it to dump a bunch of golden tickets across dear old Albion. The article is over at PCGamer.com. Joshua Wolins is the author. The deck statement says, I'm just saying there's easier ways to get your hands on a new PSU it's a power supply unit. I guess that's a P. Uh, are they really the golden tickets are for individual parts? I don't know. Those tickets. You might have to gather up several tickets then to get a whole computer. Yeah, those tickets, which contain vouchers for free products on CCL's store, are expected to land in the Midlands and south of the UK. Uh, so the author says, I guess those of us up north shouldn't waste our time combing the woods this weekend. One of them, the so-called Star Prize, is just a, a flood, a golden flood of benefit. Um, it'll net you a trip to the, to Bethesda, not the company. No, not the place in Maryland either. <laughs> Instead, this ticket will take you to Bethesda, Wales, which, Hey, close enough. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joshua Wollins just kind of nailed that. The golden tickets were released around an hour ago at the time of the writing. So 12 hours ago. As of our discussion, maybe 14 hours. Um, so check your local hedges and treetops. If you happen to reside in the Midlands or south of the UK. Uh, during CCL's Twitch stream to mark the competition, a company spokesperson assured worried onlookers that the tickets were all biodegradable and should fade away in around seven days. You've got one week then, Space Cowboys. By the way. I hope the winds cooperate. If they are microplastics in any way, I'm going to be miffed, but that's okay. I'm sure they're paper. 
I'm sure it's nothing but paper because gold paper exists. Yeah, that dead air. So the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. The uh, website formerly known as Twitter eyes user biometric data. I guess I should lay blame directly on X. Not the website formerly known as Twitter because it's really an X-centric. That's true. We didn't see this when it was Twitter. Dystopian motivation to obtain people's biometric data by the way it's actually kind of cast driven as well because if you can't pay for here let me just go over to the hill um this is an article by uh, rebecca clark from the hill.com actually yeah it is and uh, it says why x plans to collect biometric data from users because Elon Musk wants a dystopian future in the United States that's similar to what's going on in China using an app that monitors every single thing that you do and is a payment gateway and a communication venue and everything funnels the wealth into Elon Musk's pockets and allows monitoring from a central location, similar to what's going on with WhatsApp. And uh, so Elon Musk X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, updated its privacy policy because he couldn't do it on his own. He had to buy a company and then Dr. Moreau, this beast into what it is. And I, I really do hope that it collapses. But anyway, updated its privacy policy Thursday to, uh, to note that it'll begin collecting biometric data and information on users, employment and education history. Kiss my shiny metal ass. Based on your consent, we may collect and use your biometric information for safety, security, and identification purposes. How dystopian. For your own safety, we're going to gather up your personally identifiable biographic information. Anyway, they told Bloomberg Law that the collection of the biometric data will be for ex-premium users who pay for the subscription service version of the, the platform. Really? Wait a second. So why would this be, well, what is the stated reason that this would be for the premium users only? It's to allow for additional layer of verification. How about I pay mm, my internet okay. bill so I can come online? I shouldn't have to justify my existence to you which is why i don't go on twitter anymore because this numbnuts killed it for me um they didn't specify what the biometric data was going to be collected and what it was totally going to be used for it says but the data can include facial images fingerprints iris patterns this reminds me of that other company that we had an article about i don't remember which one it was with the big silver sphere yes exactly. and they were doing it in in they were giving cryptocurrency to the people who needed the money and had were completely ignorant of what biometric data really was i mean it's such a it couldn't happen here in the united states because it would be well, people would sit there and go, you've got to be freaking kidding me. And that's what people should be doing with this. 
Anyway, I'm... Well, it mentioned they've already been sued about previous collection of biometric data. I don't know if yeah. they ever identified that they were going to do it. Yeah, and it's, it's classist because if you can't afford to be a premium user, then you don't get biometric level security, even if you do buy into the biometric level, because the security isn't authorized. The security strata starts at premium users. So all of you who aren't paying have a weaker security profile and might get compromised. So again, it's classist. Your house isn't safe because you can't pay somebody to put that little border guard out there um, and protect you from the bad guys on somebody else's service. Instead of going, I want to make my service absolutely secure this numbnuts is saying you have to pay for your individual account to be secure. Well, my account is secure because, well, I've got a, a, a human is going to compromise my account before my password gets compromised. Well, I mean, how about I'm using your service so you keep my information secure? No, th that's no, no. You need to pay for it. That's, that's how it works. Let's keep going. So the next article is over in the mobile channel. A 23 year old investor was charged with a $1 million meme stock fraud. Federal security regulators charged 23 year old uh, Deontay, I think, Jatori Anthony uh, with executing a free riding scheme in which he used $1 million in pending deposits to buy $200,000 of meme stocks without ever having the money I swear, isn't this something that happens on Robin Hood? I'm not sure. Well, so, uh, the meme stocks, I don't know if the investment fraud, yes. I the 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 million dollars. Let, let, let's see. Let me see if, you, uh, if they mention it. So, uh Scott, I've never looked into this beyond what somebody has said. Not this, but the fact that you can trade on loaned money. Um, uh, the pretzel salesperson executed a free riding scheme buying Apple, GameStop, Tesla, and AMC trades. Um, Scott Nover again over at Quartz, uh, QZ.com, put this article together. And um, yeah, I don't know how they did it. It doesn't say it like overtly. I'm trying to pause this video. Really? Okay. Anyway, federal securities regulators charged 23 year old with a free writing scheme. Um, the, uh, yeah, opened up a brokerage account claiming an annual income, uh, between 25 and $50,000, though he only actually made $400 a month from auntie Anne's and other part-time jobs in its complaint. Um, the sec, uh, took advantage of his brokerage's $200,000 immediate access credit by initiating a $1 million in, in, sorry, by initiating $1 million in bank transfers, transfers that could have never been completed because his account only had nine cents in it. Um, I mean, what kind of protections are in place at that brokerage? Cause that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to see what the brokerage is, but it doesn't say. It says, fortunately for Anthony's brokerage, there, which goes unnamed in the government complaint, it didn't lose any money on the bogus trades. 
using fake funds to buy meme stocks, Anthony actually made more than $7,000. Unfortunately for Anthony, he won't be legally allowed to test his stock picking skills again. While he did not admit any wrongdoing, Anthony agreed to a government order prohibiting from trading securities in the future and also agreed to pay an unspecified civil fine. That penalty is pending approval by a federal judge. Um, Anthony told authorities that his maneuver was simply a joke and he never really thought of it as fraud. Um, well, what's really funny about this is you can actually short stocks, um, which is tantamount to playing a, a risk-based um, game that you can end up with a lot of money or you can end up with a margin call. <laughs> um, but it's money that supposedly actually exists, right? So I think I know who the brokerage is. Uh, it's actually left out of the government complaint, so I don't want to name them in a discussion. Well, I just looked at something in the complaint and I think I figured it out. Did it say who it is? No. <laughs> what does it say in the complaint then? It says that the person opened a self-invest account. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a brokerage that uses that exact terminology as the name of the account. Not that that's a pretty, very unique name, but one comes up in particular. So, Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'll leave it alone. Um, yeah, we can talk afterward. So in recent years, brokers have catered to uh, retail investors with no fee trading and gamified apps, making it easier, both easier and more appealing to trade stocks and other securities. But th these kinds of accounts here, let me highlight it. Um, where is it? Do, 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 do. I guess it's up here a little bit. Sorry, one second. He, um, where does it say it? Took advantage of the brokerage's immediate access. Um, doggone it. Anyway. What are you looking for? What they refer to as the, the type of account, um, for trading. That was in the complaint. It's a margin account, right? Uh, I don't know. It said self-invest in the complaint. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking I'm about. sure it was a margin account based on what they're describing. Yeah. Um, so at any rate, I would never have thought that this would be <laughs> a smart venture because if, and, and what could have happened has been happening, particularly to AMC, the wrong moment for this and it would have collapsed and that margin call would have been tremendous depending on, I mean, investing $200,000, if it would have lost 50%, then he would have to pay back a hundred thousand dollars and, and instantly that's fraud. And if he would have come out on the other side well enough, only initiating a $200,000 call and paying it immediately back, then it's actually money laundering. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> um, yeah, the, this person, it's the free ride. It's the free ride scheme. Um, so it's really interesting though, because there's, there's a lot of schemes that are out there that benefit people who are exceptionally wealthy. 
that when you look at them from the outside and go, how the hell is this legal? <laughs> They're legal. But if you try and play a game like this, um, you had better, <laughs> you better have a, some lump of money somewhere to cover your bail because you're about to run afoul. You piss off the wrong people and that, this is what happens. Well, I don't know how this could have worked in the person's favor because even if they um, came out ahead on a trade, they'd still have to pay for the trade. I mean, there's a sequence of events is what I'm right. trying to say. And it's just, I don't know how it could have worked out. Um, I mean, that's separate than getting charged for it, but just without being discovered. It's weird. Well, I'm surprised that the company that has that uh, instant immediate access credit line doesn't ping the account for five bucks like a normal credit check would well exactly because some investment accounts do exactly that before they allow you to trade so yeah. i it's very interesting that this was even possible i mean it's different than um misrepresenting something on the application there yeah. should have been some technological safeguards before the trades occurred yeah this, it's weird um so I'll, I'll be curious to find out what you found. So let's keep on going. Ah, come on. Uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Most Americans have gone years without a raise. Let me throw, I did not throw, um, the, um, hold on a second. I didn't throw the, PC article into the chat. Sorry about that, folks. I didn't throw the uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, article into the chat, nor this meme free ride. Um, but the that next article is over. Most Americans have gone years without a raise, according to a survey. Labor Day inaugurated in the 1800s is meant to celebrate the contributions of American workers. It is, in a sense, a holiday created to give us a holiday. But a newly released one-poll survey of 2,000 American adults, which actually isn't quite um, on we in the workplace, right? The, uh, the poll asked workers when they last received a pay raise, the responses were stark. Only 4% said that they had received a raise this year. 9% said they, they haven't reaped a raise um, in some period of time. We're going to go and talk about that. The uh, article is by Daniel DeVice. Um, and uh, they're from thehill.com. And so the article says the responses were stark. 4% said that they received a raise this year, 9% a year ago, and 22% said that it's been two years, and 30, 37% said it's been three. Average out, and the typical worker in the survey hasn't received a raise in 2.9 years. Yeah. And of course, all costs have probably gone up during that period of time. So not only have they not gotten a raise, they're actually like, um, yeah. like, I can't think what the term is. <laughs> They've a regressed. deficit Reduction. or whatever. Yes. Yeah, it's a pay loss. And meanwhile, though, the executive suite has gone up. I guarantee it. 
their money has increased worker everyday worker wages have decreased um, investor wealth has increased the top one percent dramatically so i can't really get into this um it it, it triggers me um so all i can say is that the reason for people striking the reason for union creation the reason for people taking freaking taco bell and and others to court because what they're paying for isn't what they're getting is predicated entirely on the fact that there's income inequality at a level that is i would say unsurpassed um, in the last 80 years um <laughs> I'm not kidding. I went to fast food, bought again a meal for four people this time, and it was $60. That's quite high at a fast food restaurant. Yeah. That would even be high a few years ago at a regular restaurant if it wasn't real high end. So, and, and so for me, a sit-down dinner per seat is typically about 20 bucks for each adult eater. Okay, that's a sit-down restaurant where somebody walks their butt over to you and, and asks you how your day is and by voice takes your order um, and asks you how you want your whatever it might be, your steak. Um, and And is this close from being so thankful that you're you know, patronizing their or patronizing their restaurant that they give you a hug and say, I love you. You're paying their rent for crying out loud. Everybody is extremely happy when somebody comes to the restaurant and you're not a tool. Now it's 20 bucks at fast food as you're driving through and you're damn near expected to give a tip. Just saying, things are out of control, out of control. And I almost seem, sound like a boomer, you know, get off my lawn kind of a thing. <laughs> I think the only term wrong there was almost. <laughs> get out. So in the one poll survey, 49% of respondents said that they believe a strike is an effective way. Oh my God, I didn't. Again, y'all, we don't read these articles before the show. Our reaction is live. I did not know that it was going to mention strikes. Union membership declined to 10.1% uh, in 2022, the lowest quotient on record, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But you're seeing an uptick of them. Um, yeah, but I think that's for something that's not mentioned in here because union membership maybe because they don't want to pay the dues because everybody was subject to the cost so that's different than actually being um covered by union um protections yeah possibly depending on how the, i don't know what that's based on but yeah yeah wow Anyway, uh, sorry, so 49% of respondents said that they believe a strike is an effective way to pressure bosses for improved work conditions and pay. Two-fifths of workers <clears throat> said they had participated in a strike at some point in their careers. Wow. Look at that. 
think I'm on the right track with the research. <laughs> Next article is over in Hometown Daily. Gizmodo's owner shuts down Spanish language site in favor of AI translations. <laughs> God, how do you how do you make uh, n- native and uh, ally Spanish language uh, speakers and peoples pissed? <laughs> well, right. I mean, you cannot ignore the the ist uh, issue in this. Yeah, yeah. This is they didn't do it for an English language site, right? Why don't you shut down the English language site and use an AI? It's going to be more robust. It has more fodder for you to translate. <laughs> what's yeah, weird, though, there's, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> what's weird, though, is that and and when you're a native speaker of a language, you don't think of idiomatic phrases. OK. And AI has zero understanding of idiomatic. They have no idea that in one country that speaks Spanish, there's a dialect of Spanish that is slightly different and they have idiomatic phrases. And when a, a, a news article speaks X or Y or Z or whatever it is, I thought you meant formerly known as That's Twitter. why I changed it to X, Y, or Z. <laughs> Look at that. The dude has ruined an entire letter. I'm going to have to oh, say my no, alphabet we without X. only have 25 X. left. Although, yeah. wait, there's actually other letters, too. <laughs> W-Y-Z is going to be the end of the alphabet now. <laughs> Nobody uses X anyway. I'm sure there will be a trademark on it or something. And then there probably is spell with X. (laughs) There probably is Matthias S. Zavia, a writer at Gizmodo and Espanol posted that the publication was shut down on August 29th. Oh, it's already done. Wow. And that it would now publish automatically translated articles. Gizmodo and Espanol previously had a small staff who wrote original stories and created Spanish language adaptations of pieces from the Spanish language or from the English language Gizmodo. That right there is what I'm talking about. You have idiomatic phrases that translate from English into Spanish, and it's not something that an AI is going to easily adapt to. That is the least of the problems. What about improper translation well yeah naturally you're getting way too nuanced i'm thinking just at the basic (laughs) level just improper yeah well i don't know maybe it's gizmodo um so the article is over at the verge amelia david is the author who's reporting um this via gizmodo writer zavia um i think that's how they pronounce their last name might be slightly different um, I, I don't know. It just, it's really irritating. I understand AI. Great. It's wonderful. But when you're talking about the heart and soul of a language, the language itself, and how people will attach to what a writer is saying, to take a writer's work and run it through an AI, hoping that it's going to spew out the right translation is just an amazingly poor judgment call 
for our business. But again, that's me. I'm not running Gizmodo. Um, reported the Gizmodo and Espanol team was told via video call of the decision. Geomedia did not return a request for comment. Oh, I was hoping it would have um, some content that was in AI Spanish. Maybe this is, but it's over at The Verge, so I doubt it. <laughs> um, I really wish that there was a little bit more about it. Um, Gizmodo and Espanol started after former owner, the now defunct Gawker Media, um, bought the site Guanabee. Uh, in 2012, Insider reported then, the Spanish site represented the first international expansion of Gawker. Gawker got blown out of the water by a lawsuit for posting, um, what's his name? The wrestler. Hulk Hogan. Posting some material about Hulk Hogan. If I remember right. Anyway, let's keep on going. The AI has a puzzled error message that y'all just can't see. <laughs> I, I was looking up? at a small, no, I was looking at a small translation. I mean, there at least seemed to I be do have to back up. correct words. So, right. I, I mean, like actually Spanish words are being used, but I right. haven't double checked everything. Yeah, well. Well, I mean, I wasn't even certain it would translate into Spanish based on all the AI stories we've heard. <laughs> yeah, a broken clock is right twice a day, too. Let's keep on moving forward. The next article is over in the Warcrafter channel. Powerwatch Simulator is going back to the future in its latest weird crossover. Powerwatch Simulator is one of the most unexpectedly popular games in the last few years. On the face of it, it is exactly what the title indicates. A simulation using a power washer, which, much like using a real power washer, sounds like it would be fun for a minute or two and then quickly turn into drudgery. Yeah, some people really love drudgery. It's actually... It's fun. It actually is a lot of fun, particularly if you're the type of person that would enjoy actually power washing something. To make something well, it's go enjoyable from, for real life, isn't it? Uh, for me, yeah, not for everybody. Uh, I, I love the idea of walking up to something that is like horribly dirty and cleaning it and seeing it sparkle on the other side. Um, I think that it's fun. It's a fun game to play. I don't, I own it, but I don't play it very often. Maybe I'll do that instead of Starfield, since um, Starfield is amazing it's very immersive like you're you get lost in it and i've been playing it for 12 hours or so um and i've barely scratched the surface that said i had to restart let we won't get into that with this this is power wash simulator well they're gonna do back to the future crossover so locations cars scenes andy chalk is the author over at PC Gamer that put this article together. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, they've done uh, Far Cry. They've done SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, they've done others. Um, so Back to the Future, 1985. SpongeBob SquarePants? Did they do underwater power washing? Yes. <laughs> okay. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, let's see. Back to the Future special pack, as it's called, will take the players back in time, not to the 1950s as it re- as they read it, sorry, but the 1980s, where they'll uh, have the opportunity to power wash iconic movie sets and props inspired by the Back to the Future franchise, including Doc Brown's van, the Hill Valley Clock Tower, the Hollow Max Theater, Doc's time train, and of course the time machine, uh, the modded up DeLorean that carried Marty McFly from the mid 80s to the mid 50s actually all the way back to the 1800s um but because that time train is from uh, that's from number three right yeah um but i guess it doesn't show well i mean it shows up in modern time so maybe the 80s i have to look at the time line (laughs) there we go that's what we should start temporology about just do the the three movies which yeah i don't know the third one doesn't really count anyway this won't be the first back to the future crossover in recent memory in 2015 for instance rocket league added the famous delorean time machine to its lineup um pressurized cleaning teaming up with back to the future is a little weirder not the weirdest the game's history the honor goes to the warhammer 40,000 crossover announced earlier this year but even so fans seem awfully excited by the prospect i am i haven't bought any of its dlc but i don't know maybe if i start streaming it if you stream it they will come that kind of a thing i don't know sure did i throw that into the chat yeah yeah or the gizmodo article (laughs) i swear I am horrible at this. Okay, there's that. And there's that. Okay. You're just trying to make sure people are paying attention. So yeah. They can say, hey, where's the link? Yep. The next article is over in the Mobile Channel ahead of a big sports weekend. Dispute with Disney leaves millions of cable subscribers in the dark. A company representing nearly 15 million cable subscribers in the Walt Disney Company blamed each other Friday for a dispute that has cut off Disney-owned stations to viewers on the eve of the big sports weekend for U.S. Open tennis and college football fans. I bet people are mad. Yeah, your mic is a little quiet. Um, The uh, article is over in uh, quartz.com, qz.com. And uh, David Bowder and Joe Reedy are Associated Press writers that put this article together for QZ.com Quartz. Um, so the dispute between Disney and Charter Communications. Charter seems to always, like, whenever I think about, like, cable-related problems, Charter is right there. Um, <laughs> That's not how you want to be remembered. No, it's like going to the doctor and they say, interesting. No, that's not what you want to hear. Anyway, resulted in ESPN, ABC, FX, National Geographic, and Disney-branded stations going abruptly dark on Thursday night for Charter Spectrum TV subscribers. Goodness gracious. ABC TV was also cut in seven markets, including New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Jeez. Wow. (laughs) Well, hey, this is that concentration of control, you know. So everybody pointing at each other. 
Uh, the plug was pulled Thursday while ESPN was carrying a college football game between Florida and uh, number 14, Utah. Wow. Oh, I bet they're even more upset if they were in the middle of the game when the access got cut. Yeah, I like this. Uh, Chris Winfrey, CEO of Charter Communications, said he recognized the timing was not ideal for customers. Quote, we've almost always avoided these kinds of disputes and disruption to your service, but we had to draw a line in the, the sand. Time. Yeah. But we had to draw a line in the sand in your behalf. In your behalf? The dispute typically involves how much money a cable system is required to pay a company like Disney for carrying its stations. ESPN traditionally has had the highest carriage fees for uh, cable companies. That's because sports. Um, according to S&P Global, Disney gets an average $2.2 billion per year from being carried on Spectrum under its 2019 carriage deal. Billion per year. Anyway, Charter says that it's lost 25% of its cable customers over the past five years because of cord cutting and increased popularity of streaming. Ooh, live by the sword, die by the sword. So I don't it's, think we've heard any of this before from Mayor Watt. No. Um, but hey, you know, I think that if people would be paying the writers and actors for streaming, maybe... Everybody would be a little bit more aware of streaming because I think all of these contracts that discounted streaming prior to the pandemic has a fundamental flaw in its. Yeah, you heard that. It has a <laughs> yeah. fundamental flaw in the terms, right? Because something beyond a person's reasonable control has impacted the outcome of the contract. Why is anybody capable of enforcing the contract? Everybody should have been brought to the table again because everything was no longer a meeting of the minds. There was, there was so much in flux that it, it basically like an act of God kind of a thing. What do they call that? I forgot what the term is, the legal term um, for something that's an act of God. There's an actual. I thought that was actually the term. No, there's a Latin term for it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I am fighting to say something right now. Anyway, um, so cord cutting is costing customers. Although a charter claims to value our direct-to-consumer services, they are demanding these services for free, Disney said in a statement. The company said it makes multi-billion dollar investments in exclusive content for those streaming apps. Other Force city... Majeure. Force majeure, yes. Thank you. Um, other cities where Charter is the major carrier include Dallas, Fort Worth, Orlando, Florida, Tampa, Florida, um, Kansas City, Missouri, St. Louis, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, and Las Vegas. Why did it break it out down to just cities <laughs> at the end of that? I don't know. I I, I'm just done. Let's go on to the next article. That was funny. All of a sudden. We're going to do it completely different. So the next article is over in Technology Today. Pentagon's new UFO website lets you explore declassified sightings info. This is a CNET article. We'll just jump right on over to them. Um, go away. Go away. 
Um, Gail Fashingbauer Cooper is the author of this article over at CNET.com. Eventually, this is the deck statement, eventually people will be able to submit their own reports of unidentified anomalous phenomena. That's the new UAP UFO. Um, so you can go over to, let's see, aaro.mil and not end up on a list? Probably not. Um, but anyway, at least your IP will. And then they'll be able to, never mind, we won't go into it. Uh, UFOs or unidentified flying objects is the term most people use for sightings of unexplained entities seen in the sky. But to the government, these mysterious items are known as UAPs, meaning unidentified anomalous phenomena. The word anomalous simply means deviating from what's normal or expected. So I guess I'm anomalous. Yeah, I'm going to say anomalous goes way beyond UAPs, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's odd. Yeah. So this website will provide information, including photos and videos of unresolved, or sorry, on resolved UAP cases as they are declassified and approved for public release. So resolved UAP cases. So you're going to get... How many is that? Is that from the 1950s? I don't even know, but it doesn't even matter. Why do I want to know? You know, I want to know about the unknown. Like, hey, we don't know what the hell this is. Right, exactly. I don't want to know that Billy's throwing a Frisbee. Well, that's probably not going to be the declassified ones. It is. It says, including photos and videos on resolved UAP cases. Right. What I'm saying, if it's unresolved, it might be classified. I, that's what I'm saying. I want to I want to see the cases that are being investigated. I don't want to know that they oh they answered this one and it's you know Billy throwing a frisbee for crying out loud. I want the mysterious stuff. Swamp gas. The website's other content includes reporting trends and a frequently asked questions section. <laughs> Am I going to get probed? Answer. <laughs> maybe <laughs> right i hope those aren't publicly submitted questions because <laughs> it, it's gonna it's gonna have a function where you can actually send in your own <laughs> oh uh, my god that website is gonna attract so much interesting everything. submissions i guess yeah it's gonna be like a little slice of reddit so readers are able to leave comments on the videos of the Middle East object video, one person writes, Noticed I never saw it cast a shadow, but other objects have shadows. <laughs> All right. For now, Mo... Hey, look, uh, one there are unresolved, uh, it looks like, from the videos, but maybe there are later resolved. There's also a small section of videos with names such as uh, DVIDS video, unresolved case Navy 2021 flyby and UAP video Middle East object. Um, so, but these might be the ones that are now. These are linking to something else. This is a different site that it's linking to. Not, not arrow.mil. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It says, for now, one of the most interesting parts of the site is its trend section. Apparently, yeah, uh, apparently most reported UAPs are round, either white, silver, or translucent, which actually 
if they were translucent, like the stated one that was a, a cube with a, a sphere around it, it could come across as white, silver, or translucent, depending on which way the light's hitting it. Uh, spotted at around 10,000 to 30,000 feet, 1 to 4 meters in size, and do not emit thermal exhaust. Hotspots for sightings include both the U.S. East and West Coasts. And that's because inflation is so high that we're starting to see aliens so that we can get off this rock. Just kidding. I have no idea why it would be a hot spot in the east and west coast for crying out loud. I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> I, I don't get it. It, it should I be. I do. There's the only thing that's different about those places that we know of is Water. there's ocean there. Yeah. So that's where all of the aliens are. They're fish. All right. <laughs> I didn't say that, but. Salmon, they're coming for us. They're tired of us I eating them. Octopuses. <laughs> oh, man. This is going to get. Remember the octopus garden? Mm, yeah, the octopuses are getting really mad. They're warming up at the sea floor. <laughs> okay. Last article for the night, folks. This one's in the Warcrafters channel. The first of what one day will be thousands of character presets to hit Starfield's Nexus Mods page is naturally George Costanza. I'm going to go straight on over to this article. Katie Wickens over at uh, PCGamer.com put the article together. Seinfeld characters in Starfield, because why the heck not? Jerry! Uh, every Bethesda game's character creation menu has witnessed some horrors in its time, from attempts to make Anakin Skywalker and Skyrim all the way to some of the most horrifying or terrifying Fallout 4 faces that were enough to break the bathroom mirror. And the author says that they're sure you've uh, been witness to plenty of stars made in Bethesda games too. Maybe even attempted some yourself. It does take some effort to get it right. So somebody has created for Starfield because Starfield is a Bethesda product and Bethesda is really prime for modding. Uh, they really embrace it. Um, Nexus Mods is kind of a, a clearinghouse for mods. Um... The first character preset for the game appears to be George Costanza, uploaded by uh, Dunce13, D-U-N-C-E-13, a creator with um, this as their sole contribution to Nexus mods. The character preset does bear a pretty impressive likeness to the actor. It's probably because it's a, a really high-res picture. Look at that. Um... So uh, let's see. And as the preset description notes, it took a little uh, while for it to get right. Um, let's see. They have to wonder if perhaps some inspiration came from the uh, Starfield Reddit. They only say that because the search for George Costanza and Starfield together uh, came up uh, with a post from TJD Industries, who's been over there complaining that their excitement for the game was already starting to fade. That was five months ago. The top comment being, quote, so essentially you're losing excitement in a game that hasn't been released yet because on game release, you want to play the game without having to play the game how it's meant to be played. That's some George Costanza mentality. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, pretty cool. 
go play uh, Starfield. I think you'll like it. It's a, a fun game. And I'm just barely... I started over, and now I want to start over again, but now I... The, the time sink is almost hitting regret level where I'm like, oh, I don't want to start over again because I've already caught up and surpassed what my first build was. And now I want to change something else. Anyway, worst thing you could possibly do in Starfield is meta play. Like, don't go and read about builds and, and special benefits from certain traits and stuff like that. Just select what you think is cool and then play the game and play it through because man you'll you'll end up with what is that called where you get uh paralysis oh like information paralysis or yeah but it's something else um something paralysis it it rhymes analysis Um, paralysis analysis paralysis thank you this is why I have a sentient AI because my brain is apparently operating at about 20%. Anyway, we bring you back to the front page, to the main street, hit the welcome sign. And uh, the AI makes weird noises into the... Um... I was just testing the visualizer there. <laughs> hey, look, it works. Um, anyway... Here we have all of the newest articles since the show started. Uh, and I actually, I, I refresh it right before the show and then I refresh it after the show. Um, now we're making Oscar predictions. Maybe we could do the continuity report during the Oscars. Yeah, we could. Um, hmm, That might actually be fun. I don't know though. I don't even know when the Oscars is. I think yeah, it's in March. I don't want to commit to that. Um. Oh my goodness! Russia declares Nobel-winning editor Dmitry Muratov to be a foreign agent. Oh my God! Oh Russia! Texas man pleads uh, guilty to threatening Georgia public officials after 2020 uh, election. Uh, another one screamed that the. Uh, the former president won and was given 10 years in prison. How about your... They said that after they were sentenced, from yeah. what I understand. I didn't see it or anything. I just saw a yeah. headline go by. Their uh, early exit is not going to happen. <laughs> well, right. I'm like, hmm. You don't seem like you're... I also saw that they had the highest, um, second highest sentence issued today to one of the leaders of the organization's. Yeah, was tied. There was another one that was tied uh, with the longest. Um, So uh, Starfield players agree that its first dozen hours are the weakest. Okay, 12 hours in, and I love it. So I I have a little bit more time on this new character because I started after six hours. (laughs) Um, But I moved so fast through the six hours this time, it only took me four. And Google is raising the Nest Aware subscription price to $80. It was $50. Now it's $80, if I remember right. Um, But yeah, upwards of $30. So I'm not sure what tier that is. Oh, everything is going up, folks, except for your salary. Form your union now. Okay. Anyway, that's it for tonight, folks. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com, and up there is the AI that's going to say bye-bye.
Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. You didn't say it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're not going to say bye-bye. Bye-bye.